everybody, and welcome to our show. I am Maggie. And I'm Allie. And this is Craft of the Moon podcast, and this should be episode four that we're doing today. Damn, episode four. I, I just realized I mislabeled my file. I'll put it as five. <laughs> I kept trying to say it was five, too. I'm like, why do I keep doing that? I don't know. I don't know. It's definitely episode four. And we have some exciting stuff to talk about with you guys today. We're going to be going over astral projection and trance and lucid dreaming. And we have some really fun stuff that we're going to talk about. Yes. And uh, how have you been, Allison? Oh, I've been freezing my ass off over here in Utah. It's fucking yeah. cold. Are you drowning yet there? Yeah, it has just been pouring rain for like weeks and we had like a couple nice days this weekend, and it's just gonna start raining again tomorrow. So it sucks. We're everybody's over it. Oh and, no! I mean, the ground like is still wet from Swamp where ground. it had rained Ew. before, so it's not even drying up good. Yeah, holy shit, it's terrible. Everybody's having to cut their grass already because we've had so That's much rain. Nuts. Yeah, like all the grass and like weeds and stuff are growing like crazy. So. It's been pretty terrible. We're we're sick of it. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, I'm ready for some spring and summer, some nice days. Yeah. Oh, I'm ready for the time change. I'm ready to have some sunlight whenever I get off work. Fucking for real. Utah is about to push through, uh, you know, nullifying the time change in general like Arizona did. Oh, good. That'll be good. Yeah, I'm, I'm super psyched. I'm like, can we just stop all that bullshit? It's, you Seriously, know. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> Such a pain in the ass. I was trying to book an interview uh with one of my friends who lives in england and i was like okay i think it's gonna be this time but i'm not really sure because the time is changing <laughs> so we'll like figure it out on that day see what time it is so yeah see that's gonna throw me off like if utah doesn't do the time change then all my calls to different time zones like i'm gonna be like i don't know i don't know oh <laughs> uh, yeah that's gonna be difficult that's how my mom, uh, she's living in New Mexico, working in Arizona. So she has the time oh, change man. thing, too. Like, whenever oh. she's going to work. I would get confused. I would never know what time it was. Right? That's got to be confusing. It's balls. Yeah, like, I don't know. And I guess her phone changes every time she goes. So, I don't know. I couldn't do it. All right. So, let's just get into it. And, um, let me see. Oh, okay. Go ahead, Allison. I see where you started at the beginning. Yes, yes. Um, so, like Maggie said, we're going to be talking about a lot of strange words that you may not have learned or been familiar with or think that we're, you know, crazy out of our minds. But one that always kind of, uh, kinds of, oh God, one that always kind of throws me is hedge crossing. Like, where did that come from? Um, It's actually, it comes from, well, in... Europe, they would have hedges that separate everybody's land. And so crossing the hedge would be kind of going beyond the border of like the mundane world, basically. So you're crossing into something that is, you know, outside of um, like normal, everyday, uh, controlled life. You're crossing the hedge into something unknown. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Got it. But it's not like, you know, lifting the veil or anything, because the veil is into, like, I don't know, the world of the dead, right? I mean, you can cross the hedge and go, every like, anywhere you want to. If you want to go to, like, the other, like the underworld or somewhere like that, you can definitely do that. It's basically, like, limitless wherever you want to go. And it's pretty much just another term for, um, for 
spirit flight or spirit travel. Yeah, it's just okay. Yeah. As I was researching this topic, um, I ran into the seven planes of existence, and that took me down a rabbit hole for a while. Oh, yeah, like with the world tree, basically? I think with, so, uh, yeah. What's it? Idrisil? Is that what it's called? I, I can't ever pronounce that. I don't really know how to say it. But, yeah, and that that's a lot of, um, that plays into hedge crossing, too, as well as uh, going up and down the world tree and crossing the hedge into the different mm-hmm. uh, realms. So, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to discuss that more on the show, but I've spent like so many years being fixated on astral projection and travel that I just was completely oblivious to the rest yeah. of it. And that's kind of how I work. Like I miss the finer details sometimes. Like that one lady when we were kids, we went into that witch store and she just like randomly pulled me aside and was like, don't miss the forest for the trees. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Like to this day, I'm still like, am I am I missing the forest? Like, where the fuck is the forest? Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goddamn. So anyway, if you guys are like me and kind of oblivious to some finer details of things, we're gonna go on this topic um, from start to finish. So, to describe what the astral body is, it's basically your soul. Um, like anything to do with your spirit uh, is gonna be a part of that astral self. The challenge of having any kind of astral projection or travel, usually like within discussion, the challenge there is going to be the skepticism of whether or not we actually have souls. And I don't know. I don't know if that really applies to most of us and our listeners, because as witches, I would think that it's pretty safe to say that we all agree there is some form of spirit in all of us. You know, the force. (laughs) I would think so. So, yeah. So the idea of astral travel you know, it probably has come across your guys' mind or magical platform in the past. I mean, I would think that magic itself is the movement or the use of the astral self. So the more we know how to use it and move and do all this kind of stuff, the more potent our magic and our abilities are going to be. And so astral projection is basically the out-of-body experience. And it's said that about 5 to 10% of the world's population has experienced a conscious out-of-body experience. Have you ever had one, Maggie? Um, no, I don't think so. I don't think I've ever had an out-of-body experience. What about you? Yeah, I I don't, I don't know. I'm very, <laughs> very confused on the topic because the amount of work I put into consciously trying yeah. to. <laughs> and then, of course, like, you know, um, having death on my doorstep a couple of times has thrown me. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not sure. We're, we're going to leave that one up for debate until the next episode, maybe. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> but if you guys are at all um confused about like who would use astral travel or projection anyone who considers themselves like a master of reiki if they're an energy healer you know all of those i read something about distance healers which i remember uh, yeah. very vaguely learning about when mm-hmm. we were kids yeah um so all those types of people you know they are masters at the astral projection and being a witch is really likely that you yourself are actually pretty experienced with the astral self and that third plane of existence being the astral. But how aware of all of this that you might be and what you can achieve through it, creating a stronger connection might be kind of up in the air for you. Uh, I know for me, it's just like, it seems like an infinite number of possibilities. And I think that's how it overwhelms me a lot. And so because of that, we're definitely going to break this topic down into a couple parts. 
So today we're going to be discussing how to consciously begin an astral awareness in practice. Yes, yes, for sure. So one of the first things that um, you would need to understand how to do whenever you're doing any type of hedge crossing, astral projects, astral projection, or lucid dreaming is achieving a trance state. And um, I have a little definition. Trance is an abnormal state of wakefulness in which a person person is not self-aware and is either altogether unresponsive to external stimuli, but nevertheless capable of pursuing and realizing an aim, or is selectively responsive in following the directions of the person, if any, who has induced the trance. So think like hypnotism in that instance. But um, mm-hmm. some of you may think that a trance state would be difficult to achieve but you probably do it every day. So an example is like you're driving home from work and all of a sudden you're at your house and you've lost like the last 10 minutes of driving. (laughs) And that being in that state is a trance state because you're not responding to the world around you. You're kind of acting robotically almost. And um, your, your brain waves are in a different state during that time. Um, or even if, you, if you're a big daydreamer, that is also a type of trance state. Um, it all has to do with different types of brain waves. And um, beta waves, we're going to do some science here for a second, you guys. Yay, science! <laughs> Yay! Beta waves rule our normal day-to-day life. Okay, so this is all the activities that you participate throughout the day are achieved with beta waves. And what we're looking for in a trance state may involve two other types of brain waves, which is theta and delta. Um, theta waves are specifically what we're going to be discussing when it comes to trance today. And theta brain waves occur most often in sleep, but are also dominant in deep meditation. So whenever that state that you're in just before falling asleep, whenever you start to kind of drift off, or that state that you're in when you're in a deep meditation and you finally like found some like inner peace within you, that is going to be your theta waves at work. And theta is kind of the gateway to learning, memory, and intuition. And during, uh, whenever we're having theta waves, our senses are withdrawn from the external world and focused on signals originating from within us. So it's kind of that twilight state or hypnagogic state which we normally only experience uh, kind of fleetingly as we wake up or drift off to sleep. So remember, think about those dreams that you have in the morning in between your alarm snoozes. That would definitely be, you know, theta waves that are happening during that time. Oh, man. And um, I totally forgot, like, way back when, when we started kind of investigating this when we were younger, that's when I would practice this between my snooze buttons. I forgot. Yeah, that's a really good way to practice. but during theta, we're in a very, um, in kind of like a dreamlike state. There's very vivid imagery. Um, intuition and information is beyond our normal conscious awareness. And it's where we hold our stuff, like our fears, troubled history, and nightmares. So some of you may asking, like, how do I achieve this on my own? And uh, there's several different ways to go into trance. Um, meditation is the big one, learning how to meditate, um, doing what Allison said, like practicing during the hypnagogic state while you're in asleep is a really big one. Um, drumming, ch- chanting, 
uh, anything with rhythm. Basically, um, with the drumming, chanting, and the rhythm, it's that constant beat that is going to kind of lull you into that trance state and activate those theta waves in your brain. Visualization, if you're really good at visualizing things inside your mind, that's also a really good way to get into that theta state because you're focused on the images within yourself and not on that external stimuli around you. Um, ecstatic dance uh, or any type of movement could get you into that theta state. And I'm sure, I bet um, people who are runners are actually in the theta state while they're running a lot of the time. Yeah, we're actually going to talk um, about that later for... Oh, okay, cool. Um, treading the mill, uh, treading the mill, let me say it not like a southerner, treading the mill. <laughs> um, it's also, it's a um, traditional witchcraft practice where you um, create a circle with a focal point in the center. You extend one arm out and point your finger, let, let's just say your left arm, and then you cock your head to the left and stare down your finger at the focal point in the center of the circle and walk slowly around the circle um, while doing like while holding this posture. And that is said to, um, it kind of restricts some blood flow to your brain. So that makes it easier for you to get into that trance-like state. That's just what it's called in traditional witchcraft is treading the mill. So that's something that you could try if you're interested in that, too. And I'm sure you could find lots of information about that online as well. But also in traditional witchcraft, the act of spirit flight is known as crossing the hedge, which we talked about earlier. And basically, hedge crossing, again, is where you enter a trance state and allow your spirit to fly to other realms. And the possibilities to where you're going are endless, so you can travel the realms that Allison was talking about earlier, the seven realms, is um, easily a way to go up and down the world tree and travel to each one of those and see what you discover there. Also, lucid dreaming really works kind of hand-in-hand hand with this. It's a little bit different than being in a trance state because you are kind of asleep when it's happening. It's basically the same type of, uh, same kind of deal that's going on, so... Lucid dreaming is actually when you're able to control the dreams that you're having, and it's most easily attained during the hypnagogic state of sleep. Uh, this is the time when you're not fully awake and not asleep, just when you start to drift off to sleep. And um, I'm sure some of you have heard, have you ever heard of the hypnagogic jerk, Allison? Yes. Yeah, so whenever you're like about to fall asleep and all of a sudden your body jerks really hard and wakes you up. Dude, I do it all so. the time, every fucking night. Oh, it's so annoying. I actually, <laughs> yeah, I had an issue with that. Uh, whenever I started some of my medication for um, my mental health, uh, I don't know what it did, but some nights I would have it where like it, I could not fall asleep. Like every time I drifted off, I would jerk away. Mm -hmm. And I talked to my, um, psychiatrist about it and they just explained that you know your body thinks that you're in a fight or flight situation mm -hmm. so you know I was dealing with some anxiety and so my body thought that I was in fight or flight so it wasn't allowing me to go to sleep it would wake me up so I didn't fall asleep during that you know life or death situation yep. which wasn't really happening but thank god I got past that because that was one of the fucking horrible symptoms Dude, that I dealt with whenever I first started med. It's so fucking annoying like having PTSD I do it all the goddamn time. Uh, it's I bet you do. It's yeah. so frustrating like I'll, I'll be exhausted and like 
lightly drifting off into sleep and then boom feel like you know something just shocked me or you know body parts jump around it's fucking annoying as balls and one of my coping mechanisms for it is actually what i'm going to explain next um so anyway yeah that's real goddamn annoying oh god i hate it um but a really easy easy way to uh start controlling your dreams or entering a lucid dream is to periodically throughout the day ask yourself am i dreaming and you can even perform some little tests and the idea behind this is, is that you ask yourself enough during the day, then when you are dreaming, you're going to continue to ask that question, right? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes the things that we do every day, you know, as a ritual, we dream about too. So if you get into the habit of doing that and perform little tests, like trying to turn on a light switch to see if the light will come on or uh, try to read something, because most likely if you're in a dream and you try to turn on a light, it's not going to behave the way a light switch would. You know, and you're not able to read things in dreams for the majority of the time. Yeah, so the um, the intermittent reinforcement of asking that question throughout the day is basically like pattern training your brain, right? Yeah, yes, yes, it is. And so then finally, once you get into the good habit of doing that, and I did it one time, and I had gone a couple weeks of asking myself, Am I dreaming periodically throughout the day? And then finally, one night I was having a dream that I was in the ocean and I did like it happened. Like I said, in my dreaming and I knew that I was. And so I was able to control part of the dream. It didn't last long because I, um, when I became aware that I was dreaming, I kind of woke up like it woke me up a little bit. So, uh, um, but uh, it is definitely achievable. And if it's something that I can do, I'm not good at stuff like this. So I know that other people will be able to do it too. And like I said, that's the easiest way to kind of get into that if that's something that you're looking for and then you know once you have access to lucid dreaming you can basically do all the same things you can uh, in a deep trance so you can explore other worlds and go to other places during that uh, dream state that you're in yeah definitely I think uh, one of the biggest struggles that folks will run into and I know I did just like you mentioned you know you became aware of the dream and then you woke up that was something that I struggled with for so long. Like after a while, I would become aware in the dream and be like, oh God, no, don't freak out. Just be calm. Because <laughs> you know? otherwise yeah. I'd wake up and lose it. Like, God damn it. And so it took a really long time of being able to hit that consciousness within the dream state and not wake your body up. Yeah. And that that takes a lot of practice, I think. Um, so some of these methods that we're going to outline uh, here coming up and then in the next episode might help you guys do that. But yeah, I don't know. I really like whenever I do become aware and then I'm able to like fuck with things, but I never ever have been able to like, well, I shouldn't say never ever. There've been a couple of times, but usually I'm not able to do something significant like, okay, I'm going to go talk to so-and-so or I'm going to go do this or that. Like I'll do something stupid like, oh, a whale is flying or <laughs> some bullshit like yeah. that. I like to try to make myself uh, telekinetic in my dreams. <laughs> I do that That's a cool. lot. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm like a five-year-old child in my dreams. <laughs> no, mine, mine was weird. Well, like I said, I was in the middle of the ocean, basically. I think I could see land, but I was pretty far out. And, um, and I was just kind of swimming in the ocean. And when I became aware, I kind of started to freak out because I was like out in open water. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I was like, calm down. Um, you're lucid dreaming. So like, let's make something happen. So I just made like a wave come by. 
is what I did, mm-hmm. and it worked. And um, about that time is whenever I woke up, like once I started to get excited yep. that <laughs> it was happening, that's when I woke up. So, but it was super cool. Like it was amazing, and it was like being there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it was still like a dream. Like there were still moments. Like I wasn't necessarily like looking through my own eyes. Like I could kind of see myself mm-hmm. like from a third person. Mm-hmm. You know, I could see my body in third person there watching me in the water. So You know, I have I noticed know. that the so more strange. that I practice <laughs> lucid dreaming and mindfulness, that my dreams are now taking place where I, I am looking through my eyes instead of as a third party. Like, that's mm-hmm. weird. The only time I do that is whenever I'm having sleep paralysis. Oh, God. Which also... I've read is a good time to try to do work too because you are in that hypnagogic state during sleep paralysis. So if you try to take control of the situation, then you might be able to affect things too. See, and now that's where I fucked up because I've read and watched all of these things about horrific reasons for sleep paralysis. I'm like, oh God, oh God, oh God. <laughs> and so yeah. usually if I get sleep paralysis, I try to like change my breathing and try to wake my body up or something. Oh, it's so uh-uh. I just freak out every single time. I know, right? I just fucking freak out. When I get stuck in a dream loop too, like I'll be dreaming that I'm dreaming mm. and then I'll wake up, but I'll still be dreaming. And it sucks because like I'll be in the bed like when this is happening, like in the same position that I'm in. So like I can't wake up out of the dream. Because, like, my brain thinks that I am awake, but I'm really not. I don't know. It's a pain in the ass. I can't stand it. Damn, I bet. I I have not experienced that very much. Maybe, like, a handful of times? Um, I have it constantly. Like, all the time. Uh, now one all thing time. I do notice and has actually helped me with um, lucid dreaming is that, for whatever reason, I end up in the same environments a lot of times in dreams. When I say a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, Every other month, I'll be back in the airport, or I always end up in like a mall. But the airport is a big one. And once I realize yeah. that, I'm like, oh, I'm I'm in a dream. But then, of course, it I either lose control over it or I'll wake up. And so, a lot of times, if you notice like a repeated event or environment in your dreams, you can start recognizing it there. And one of mine, well, actually two of mine, the first one, I have a very common happening in dreams where my teeth start falling out. I get that one too. God, yeah. I hate that. In fact, just last night during that crazy ass dream I was telling you about, um, it happened and I was like, you know, they started coming out, freaking out. I was like, wait, no, this is a dream. Just, just get rid of them and keep going. And I really did. I like spat my teeth out. <laughs> kept going. Oh. It was ridiculous. And then the other one is uh, snakes. A lot of time I'll dream about snakes and, you know, I'm terrified of them. And once I realize that it's, you know, a snake is near me and I'm not able to get away. I'm like, wait a minute, this is a dream. I can do something. And I don't know. It's very strange. That one a couple of weeks ago where the snake bit me inside my mouth, is that's weird. I don't know what my subconscious oh, is God. telling me. Like, holy shit. You know, I, I actually have a decent amount of dreams that involve snakes. Oh, really? Yeah. And I don't know if it's because I have one that, like, I think about snakes sometimes because I own one or what it is, but, like, it's usually something like super symbolic whenever I have it. Like, um, like I had one one time where my snake was fighting another snake and the other snake ate my snake. Oh God. Like, yeah, it was weird. And, um, or I've had one where, um, I found like snake bones in my closet. Oh, that's weird. Or, yeah. Just weird stuff like that. And, um, or I have dreams where they bite me too. Like I'll have, 
there will be a snake that bites me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's I mean, it's freaky even to me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I have a decent amount of dreams about snakes. I don't dream that much now because I have to drag myself to sleep. <laughs> Um, so really I only remember the dreams that I have, like in the morning while I'm snoozing. Um, but even those are pretty crazy. Well, they're not that crazy. I dream about work a lot. Oh yeah. That's another one I run into. I, I either end up back in the one office job that I was in for a long time in there, or I'll end up in high school. Oh, no, I'm glad that doesn't happen. I know. Right. Usually, <laughs> usually when I have the ones about high school, I'll be like, oh God, no. Cause I hated school so much. And, um, but it, then in the dream, I'm like, no, I already did this shit. Like I already graduated. Yeah. Oh. But I still, I do have dreams where like I'm at school and I haven't done, like I haven't gone to a class for an entire year. Yeah. Yeah. I've like had that. that. I'm like, oh my God, I haven't been attending class or some shit. Yeah, or, like, you didn't do your homework. Mm-hmm. I don't think that ever stops. Like, as old as I am, like, I don't think I'll ever stop having dreams where I didn't do my homework. <laughs> well, goddamn. Like, that shit was traumatizing during our key developmental years. That's true. It really is. It really was traumatizing. Yeah, I <sighs> I hate the school system, but that's that's for another topic. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, so circling back to our discussion here, uh, you guys might be wondering you know, how do you actually develop a practice of activating the astral self? And, you know, like we've talked about, and Maggie had mentioned with that fun word that I can't even say, what what is it? Hip, hip, uh, hip, hypnagogic. Thank you. That's just a fun word. Hypnagogic. Mm-hmm. Hmm, interesting. Hypnagogic. Doesn't exactly roll off the tongue, but it's memorable. Yeah. <laughs> and so when you're approaching the topic of astral projection and astral work, it will definitely be helpful if you keep yourself aware of your conscious and subconscious minds and how they work either together or against each other. And for me, it's often that they're working against each other. And that's why I have anxiety issues and all kinds of fun things like that. (laughs) (laughs) So to achieve astral projection, lucid dreaming, hedge crossing, all that kind of good stuff, you really have to be able to make yourself aware of the subconscious routines and patterns of yourself. And so that can lead you down a dark and twisted road at times. And it is really a part of the ascension of your practice anyway. Like in order to achieve greater things within your spiritual or magical practices, you do have to delve deeper into yourself and learn about these things. So you guys may have already done a lot of the spiritual footwork um, before now, but if you have it, that's totally fine too. Uh, Really what it is, is trying to be more mindful of your own deeper needs subconscious feelings all that kind of stuff because those levels those theta brain waves are are what we're working with and so the mindfulness is really vital and while mindfulness quote-unquote is really trending these days i think that you know many of us find it very difficult to achieve that and maintain like is that just me yeah my phone distracts me so much it's hard for me to be mindful because i have my phone in my hand like 24 7 oh yeah no i use my phone as a distraction mechanism like if i start feeling anxious or frustrated about something i'll go watch fucking funny animal videos or some bullshit yeah yeah and so it's important that we take notice of that like if you find yourself scrolling mindlessly like why are you really scrolling is it that you're entertained by what you're looking at or are you trying to avoid something Because for me personally, it's usually that I'm trying to avoid feelings of anxiety or, you know, whatever the case is. And so you have to be mindful of not only when that hits you, where it's coming from, 
and how to address it. And so those three different levels are something that we're going to work on later on in our episodes here. But again, step one is being mindful that those things are happening. And when you are mindful of it, the challenge is to then redirect where the energy is going. And that actually has a you know physiological effect in your brain. You have neural pathways that are actual things, are little super highways in your brain. And you have to be able to redirect those on a regular basis. And that's where people who have trauma histories and whatnot, you know, a lot of us have to spend a lot of time reworking those neural pathways because our brain has gone into survival mode and shuts down a lot of the more quote elective pathways, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And so practicing this, um, you have to be able to do it on a regular basis. You can't be sporadic about it. Uh, You can't really, you know, piddle around and not have the commitment towards it. Or you really, really cannot have an unclear goal because it's, you know, the objective has to be clear. Otherwise, you're basically just like floundering around inside your head. And that's never fun anyway. And so you're not gonna be able to give us an example of which one like a goal. yeah, like of how to redirect those neural pathways. Like, can you give us like a, an example of like an instance where you would want to act one way and need to act a different way? Like- yeah, definitely. So let's say, um, let's say something triggers you into a spurt of anger, like you're really overreacting to something small. Uh, I do this pretty, pretty often. Um, so recognizing first the emotion that you're feeling anger, you have to recognize it and then see why. Well, I'm pissed off because that person cut me off in, track it, in traffic or my boyfriend or girlfriend has done something, da, da, da. But it's small and it doesn't affect the rest of your day. And so recognizing that that has triggered into your midbrain, basically, you go into um, this more primitive part of your brain, you have to be able to stop it. And for some people, you have to physically stop it. Um, Plunging your hands into ice cold water is a big way that a lot of people will do it. I've done it before. Um, So really changing what your brain is processing, because if you get stuck in your midbrain, you basically go on loops around and around and around, even if the topic is something insignificant. And so once you do that enough times where, you know, you're triggered to be angry about something small, but you've repeated the pattern of recognizing, halting, resetting then your brain is going to start creating different pathways of how to address something because it doesn't have to go into that survival mode to get through it anymore. Okay. So like deep breathing would be something that you could do yes. as well, right? Yes. Box breathing okay. is a big one. Um, anyone who has gone through DBT courses knows a lot about this kind of stuff. It's just very much centered in recognizing your emotions before they carry you away because we, I think we all have a habit of just kind of going with our impulses And if that's the case, you know, you're really going to struggle with being mindful and being able to control these things. And so by redirecting what your brain does in the reaction of an external force is the top priority of retraining your brain on these things. Yeah, for sure. For me, I deal with um, whenever I'm dealing with depression or apathy or whatever, I find that like going outside and moving, like going for a walk is something that like really helps me kind of come out of that and resets my brain to uh, something different than just the depression, you know? So I think, I think that's really cool. I I like the plunging your hands in water. That's pretty cool too. Yeah. That one's really effective. Um, I found the box breathing super helpful as well. It's, it just depends on what level of the midbrain you're in. Like if you go into a full survival mode, 
you know, the box breathing, it's very hard to focus on, but you have to practice it. That's where the regular routine of it, you have to be able to rely on the repetitiveness of that routine and that it does work, even if it doesn't feel like it does right away. You know, you're not going to get instant gratification from some of these things because reforming those neural pathways does take time. Um, but you just have to really kind of hack away at it and make sure that you're keeping that committed goal in mind, whether that goal is, you know, I don't need to be pissed off over something small or, you know, if I feel depressed about something or just depressed in general, the apathy, you know, life fucking is whatever, you have to be able to stop and reset. And whether that is, you know, going outside, that's a big one. People talk about all the time how hiking and whatnot is really beneficial for your brain. Um, but the, you know, the flip side is that is that when you are in a balanced state of mind, you do have to revisit those topics so that when you're balanced, you're able to address those things without having that primal reaction. But yeah, that part can be into episode two or episode two, part two. Uh, so right now, still talking about how we move the subconscious. So we can't allow the subconscious to constantly move us all the time, such as in those trauma responses or any kind of mental health challenges that many, many, many of us have. And so you might find that pattern training your brain is going to be most successful. And so to have really steady success towards it, just remember, keep yourself and your goals realistic, measurable, and um, what do you want to call it? I don't want to call it timeable, but <laughs> you know, you got a time range. What is this called? Um, <laughs> right. We're both like, uh, I don't know. But, uh, whatever you guys know what we're saying. Words. Yeah. Words. You know? <laughs> timely, timely. There we go. That'll work. Uh, so yeah, you have to have all of those things. So it might help to create a journal, um, so that you can track these things. Cause it's just so overwhelming at times that you may lose your progress and then get discouraged. And so, journals can help and really decide for yourself what it is that your new pattern that you're introducing to your mind is going to be. And so for me, this one has been really helpful. And I've kind of um, picked apart some different examples and exercises that I've read from others. So you guys feel free to do the same, you know, hear this, read about other um, ways to approach this topic, getting to the astral plane and working with your subconscious self and make your own because it's going to be different. But for mine, uh, working in that somewhat sleepy state as you're falling into sleep, because I already have trouble getting to sleep, I had to learn coping mechanisms to get there. And so I formed this, what I call the countdown or my daily tally. And so I start with one, today I did, and it has to be facts. It can't be uh, today I, you know, failed at whatever I feel like I failed at this or, you know, those down putting feelings. You can't do that. You got to think about something factual that you did that day. Two, tomorrow I will, something factual that you're going to be doing tomorrow. So do you see how this is relating to the external or practical part of your life? Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's one and two. And then we're going to get into number three. Today I felt something past. Try to keep it positive if you can. If you can't, that's okay too, because negative feelings need to be acknowledged and accepted for what they are. Number four, tomorrow I want... Tomorrow you want to feel, you want to achieve, you want to, you know, something that's not so much in the physical world, but something that's going to make you feel comfortable or satisfied, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so now we're going to be starting to focus on the current. You're getting more into a mindful state. So number five, tonight I feel, 
whatever it is that you feel at night. I feel exhausted. I feel whatever, whether that one is physical or emotional, subconscious, that's up to you. I try to stick to the subconscious if I can. And usually, unfortunately for me, it's tonight I feel anxious. Tonight I feel depleted, you know, whatever that subconscious mind is telling me, which kind of usually sucks. And then number six, right now I am what you are actually doing in that moment. Right now I am relaxing my body. Right now I am breathing for four counts, right? You know, those types of things. That'll keep you grounded. Number seven, I am approaching the dream stage, dream world, dream self, whatever it is that you want to call it or associate it with. If you can picture kind of like a gateway or a door or, you know, whatever would relate to you that you're moving on into another state of consciousness, that can be super helpful. And number eight, I am going deeper into myself looking for, what are you looking for? Are you looking for a feeling? Are you looking to see something? I found early on in this practice that if I literally looked for a visualization of, you know, Oceanside or a forest or whatever, that helped me. But for some folks, you know, you might find I'm looking for peace. I'm looking for calm or, you know, whichever it may be. Number nine, in myself, I see. You want to actually visualize what it is you see. Try not to tell yourself what you see. Try not to insert something. You're basically, the effect is to open your astral eyes and see what you find inside and then number 10 I don't even know because I've never gotten to number 10 usually by the time I'm at number (laughs) nine I'm I'm well into that dream state because I've gone through number seven which is I'm I'm approaching the dream state so I'm walking down the hallway which is what I have and then you know proceeding from there so yeah I never get to number 10 but if you do if you get to the end of this countdown you can keep going but try to keep yourself focused on things that are within the dream self, or you can just go back and repeat the process again and again until you find somewhere along the way you have entered that dream sense. Nice. So as I'm counting and creating the mindful thoughts, uh, you got to put a lot of effort into that visualization of the thoughts. And really, this is the biggest challenge. Try not to get distracted by your feelings, you know, acknowledge them, but notice that at that moment, as you're counting down into sleep, They do not have to affect you, okay? So nothing is going on in that moment that makes you have to respond to those feelings. Take a look at them, know that they're there, and then keep moving. And so, you know, our emotional selves, they can be catty little bitches and get very distracting from what our mindful practices are. And so just be aware of that and don't lose sight, literally, of what you're trying to visualize. And so what we are trying to achieve is actually seeing our thoughts in a dreamlike state. And this, um, it's hard for me to explain this one, but I, I think you'll you'll get it, Maggie. One time when I was dreaming, I was coming out of a dream, so I was in that funny word state. And in the dream, I was looking at this blue flower for some reason. But as I was mm-hmm. waking, the words in my head, like my actual thoughts were blue, fo- blue flower with white petals and da 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 Like, I was, it was almost like I was writing the dream, which was really, yeah, it was really a strange thing to me. So I don't know if we all do that or how to play on that part, but maybe it's different for everybody. I just recently found out that some people don't actually have an internal voice in their heads and that freaked me out. So (laughs) that is so weird. Like, holy shit. How do you read things? I don't know. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, that. I mean, not putting down people that don't have one. Obviously, it's not your fault, but that's weird. Yeah, to me. yeah, no. That 
I am almost envious. I'm like, I want that. (laughs) I don't want to have this inner voice constantly going on. God damn. Mine gets weird because I daydream so much. Yeah. Be going off about random shit. By the time I notice it's happening, I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, brain? Like, what is your deal? <laughs> right? Why like, are we how, thinking about this? How the fuck did we get here? Why is Luke yeah. Skywalker here? What the fuck? Yeah, it's bad when I'm angry, too. Like, if there's a situation that makes me angry, mm-hmm. it gets really bad. And I, I have a hard time controlling it yep. uh, whenever I'm angry. Because, you know, you start making up all these scenarios of things that you wished had happened mm-hmm. or, like, what you're going to do now that it has happened. And I have to be like, no. Calm down. Yep. Chill out. Yep. That that loop or cycle or, oh my gosh, it's a rough one to try to break. That's why the anger over small instances is one of the examples I use because it's so common. And the way yeah. that we're not only like our basic culture and society has geared us, but also the way that our brains work is to remember negative things over positive things because that's part of the survival mode. And so a negative emotion such as anger or hurt is going to be more demanding than the emotion of peace and happiness and calm. And so you really have to be mindful of those types of things. Otherwise, I mean, you're just hanging on as your brain goes off the fucking rails. Yeah. And mine, I don't know, mine get, I'll get like obsessive over it, like start obsessing over the thought. So it's really hard to uh, pull myself out of it. Mm -hmm. Yep, me too. And then I get into like a combat of, my subconscious self, which is, you know, the anger, and I'm, you know, emotionally responding to whatever and my conscious self that's like, no, I don't want to feel this way. Stop feeling this way. And then that creates a whole different dynamic of anxiety. And it's just a shit show. And so you guys, as you are approaching this topic, take it slow, you know, note to yourself, whether it's in your journal or video journal or whatever the fuck everyone does nowadays, keep tabs on where you're at mentally, if at all, or at any time you start to feel like you're overwhelmed, or, you know, you just, I don't know, you get that overwhelmed feel. I'm getting it right now as I'm talking about it, trying to help you guys, (laughs) you know, reach out for help. Don't keep it inside at that point. You want to really make sure that you're staying grounded during this entire thing, which again, we'll talk about in the next episode. Because I remember when we very first started working with astral travel, like for whatever reason, one of my biggest fears was like getting lost in the astral plane. I don't even know if that's possible. I assume so. But I think people put a lot more fear around it than is really necessary. Probably because it's something unknown and you know how we go with that. Yeah. Uh, So as you guys are creating your own routines and training patterns for reaching that subconscious or astral self, make sure that you just stick to it. Keep that commitment. Habits have to be repeated in order to basically reset those neural pathways in your brain and because we are working with the subconscious of being able to recognize your dreams and that sort of thing you do have to have some sort of awareness and control over those neural pathways and so do your countdowns do whatever else some people might find um, that you're best at building visualizations whether you're going down a road or a path inside that you follow into the dream world I've had someone told me that she visualizes herself as swimming and then she dives down under the surface because that represented for her that she was going deeper into herself. You know, whatever it is that works for you, take what you can from everyone's experiences and what they share and learn as you go. It's really unlikely that you're going to get it right the first time or the first attempt or the first strategy that you're taking at this. You have to be open to adapting and altering your approach as needed. 
and try not to get stuck on that fixation. Um, kind of like we had talked about, you know, if you got one idea in your head and you're trying to force it and it's not working, change it a little bit. It's okay. You know, let that part go, let go of what doesn't serve you and move on to something else. And, you know, use your strengths, understand uh, what your strengths and your weaknesses are. We all have them. If visualization is not your strength, you know, maybe chanting will help. If wordplay and chanting isn't really your thing, visualization might be better. You can also try guided meditation. I've done that a few times. Doesn't really work for me, but might work for others. Um, Soothing music. I mean, who the fuck knows? Just give it a go. And you know what? Be sure to share it with us because I want to know what's working for everybody. Yeah, for sure. I've I've done some drumming before, and it is actually um, beneficial to that kind of thing um, as far as, like, entering the trance state and everything and trying to get your mind in the right place. Um, it's kind of weird because you if you're the one drumming, then it's, you know, very physical, too, so it's kind of hard to create that separation between mm-hmm. uh, the external world and, you know, your internal self. But... Um, it's actually really cool if you ever get a chance to do it. I would recommend that to you. Um, but as far as traveling for me, I usually, I haven't done it in a long time, full disclosure, but um, I will visit the world tree. I'll visualize the world tree. And then if I want to go to the underworld, I'll climb down a little hole at the base of the tree. And then if I want to go somewhere else, then I'll climb up the tree. Um, that's usually whatever I do. I have like a little place where I have the world tree that I visit. That is cool. I like that idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, yes. So next episode, we're going to continue on this topic because uh, it is so big and so many things to discuss. And one thing that we are going to cover is basically that out-of-body experience. If we're trying to reach the astral projection and travel, we have to be able to be comfortable and aware of how to remove our... I guess our souls from our body. It always makes me feel stupid when I say shit like that, but that's exactly what we're doing. You're basically removing your consciousness from your body and putting it onto another level. And so while lucid dreaming is a really super fantastic way to start on astral plane work, dreaming is not exactly the astral plane. It's more of a, what do you want to call it, Maggie? A brainwave thing? I don't know. Yeah, well... Yeah, it's more it's more internal, I would say, yeah. than external. Yeah, that that makes more sense cuz like I know between you and I like you do more work um external, you know, like visiting the underworld and and going different places while I get stuck working on like the inner world and so yeah, that, that's where I guess we can weigh in on the next episode. And so okay discussing how to remove yourself from your body, uh, such as Megs had said, doing any kind of physical activity can help, um, especially like runners or hikers or anything like that. Something real repetitive, whether it's that drumming that Maggie had mentioned or anything. If you're exerting physical energy or especially a lot of physical energy and you're feeling the burn of your muscles, push past it and then you're going to hit this new level of tolerance. And basically that is an active trance state and it's super fucking cool and you can do all kinds of stuff in it and we're going to talk about it in episode five nice i'm excited yay it's been a good episode yeah it it got going huh i like it yeah it was a big topic it was a little daunting at first it's like oh god how are we gonna approach this but yeah well i'm interested i've never worked with like actual astral projection so i'm really excited to hear um everything that you have to say about it as far as your work with it so i think that's 
I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah, I think it would be cool. It's it seems to be a topic that isn't really discussed so much. Um, I find that whenever I'm reading about it or whatnot, it's uh, I don't know, it's just not as common as you know learning how to do candles, magic, and spells and thread work and all of that kind of stuff. And I don't really get why. And I feel like the astral self is basically your witch self when it comes yeah. down to it. But yeah, we all kinds of fun shit to talk about. But you guys, you know, let us know what you think about this, what your experiences have been. If you've had an out of body experience of any kind, I want to know about it. Be awesome. And so be sure to write us either by our email on our Facebook page, which is Craft of the Moon. And yeah, get with us, bitches. Maybe that's going to be yes. our tagline. Get with us. <laughs> get with us, witches. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Get with us. Yeah. Yeah. I like that one. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> Although, New hopefully line. nobody will take that in the sexual content. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, that's cool, too. Yeah. I mean, get yeah. with us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We're going to have to do an episode uh, sometime on sex magic. That's always a fun one. Oh, yeah. I love sex magic. Mm, I've never been good has- at it. Not ever. My husband really loves sex magic too. Mm, I bet he does. <laughs> bow, chicka, bow, bow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, we definitely need to do that too. But yeah, let's. Uh, so next, uh, next episode we'll cover the rest of the actual projection, and um, that'll be coming to you guys shortly. So um, I hope everybody enjoys their week, and until next time, we'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.